starting the show off today with nothing. Very much like what happened yesterday. Nothing. Welcome to the program, the Bill Michaels Show. Uh, you know, the old adage goes, fool me once, shame on you. Fool me twice, shame on me. Fool me for decades. I'm a freaking idiot. And I know many of you are rejoicing in that statement. But I will say this. Uh, I really <laughs> I don't know why, but I really expected something different out of the Green Bay Packers. I really, really did. And instead... I got silence, crickets. I got the old, you know, we were in on every negotiation. But it just, you know, it's like, okay, whatever. Uh, I don't I don't believe it for a minute anymore. We're always in on it. We're going to we're making calls. The phones are ringing. <laughs> uh I think it's a lot of political ads actually. That's what's the phones are ringing for. It's all those political ads and it's buzzing and and we're getting all the uh, the Tony Evers stuff and, you know, the Tim Michaels stuff and, and the Ron Johnson and, and Mandela and Mandela Barnes. And, and we're getting all of that. To, but, but the phones really aren't ringing. You know, it's, it's, it's there, there's no. Packers didn't get anybody. And I, uh, I can't say that I'm shocked because there's not a lot that shocks me. But um, the perpetuating lie is that we're happy with our room no you're not if you are you should all be fired and immediately file for unemployment there's no way you're happy there's no way not when everybody in the world is saying you know you've got some issues uh but maybe to the opposite side of the coin you can say well you have so many issues that you didn't want to make a move i can't fathom for me a downside to making a move if you can get controllable people but this hanging on to draft choices like grim death when it's not panning out is it, the the green and gold insanity lives on for lack of a better term ben how you doing today well i'm doing well um for other reasons but you're doing well because it was a shutout last night. Man, it, it was a complete smattering, and it was a lot of fun. Packers-wise, I mean, yeah, I, I guess we are stupid collectively as a state for expecting more. Right. Because time tells us that those things just don't happen. And I have enjoyed a little bit the, uh, oh, yeah, we were in on that guy. Oh, yeah, that would have done it. <laughs> Right? It's it's like they go to the David Stern school of, of try to save everyone's PR face after nothing gets done at the deadline. Um, mm -hmm. I don't know. I, I have a lot of mixed emotions because there's also an argument that maybe the roster isn't good enough with one more wide receiver or whatever, but the messages, the messaging being sent to the fan base and to the team, definitely not terrific. I... Uh... I can say this, and I hate to do this, but one of the things we get credited for in this program is being real and not swallowing the green and gold Kool-Aid or the blue and gold Kool-Aid or whatever, is this season is over. I hate to say it, but it's over. You're going to beat Detroit maybe once, maybe twice. Um, but I can't picture... Any scenario in which you get to 10 wins. 
None. You're going to get your ass handed to you by the Cowboys. I went back and I, I got up this morning and I, I got up a little bit late. I have to admit that. Um, had a good night last night. Went to, I told you when, when I got the area, yesterday, I was going down and back to Chicago. Uh, Kristen had a, a meeting um, with her, one of her clients in from California. So we went down to Chicago and have you ever, you ever been to the Trump Tower down there? I've been it, around it. I've been around Chicago a now, lot. Now, I know I've people not been get crazy it. when you hear the word Trump, so I don't, I'm not throwing the political in there. I'm just simply signifying the building. Um, man, what a beautiful place. And uh, they have an incredible rooftop um, bar and restaurant and such down there. Oh, my God, it was fantastic. Uh, I'd never been there before, but that's where the, that's where her client wanted to go. And uh, so we went down there last night, and so we had dinner uh, with uh, her, the bank president, and it was really cool. It was the bank president, uh, her boss, the head of uh, commercial lending, um, one of the lenders, the client, and uh, Kristen and I, and another. Uh, they do a lot of commercial and property real estate. And oh my God, what a what a fantastic place and a, the view. And it was so warm last night, so we we actually got to walk around outside on that that terrace that overlooks the river uh, in downtown. It overlooks the Wrigley building. It overlooks the, uh, the old Chicago tr- uh, Trib building. I mean, just what an incredibly beautiful place. I'd always seen the tower, but I'd never actually been in it. It was what a fantastic night last night. So anyway, uh, so we went down there, but we came back. Uh, we didn't stay because I had to do the show today. She had to get back. And then tonight I got to do the huddle. And then from there, I got to get the lacrosse. So I didn't have time to come out of Chicago earlier today. So we ended up driving down and back last night. Got down there for dinner that was supposed to be at 7.30. Didn't really get underway because nobody eats in the city. Nobody eats until... Is it like that in Philadelphia where nobody goes to dinner until 9 o'clock at night? Not really. No. Yeah, no, I'd say it's lively it's, at normal hours as well. We got there at about 6, 6.30 last night. And there was, you know, maybe five people in the whole place. And we had a couple of drinks. And because uh, I drank early because I knew later I wasn't going to be drinking because I was driving back. So we got there about 6, 6.30, and then dinner was supposed to be at 7.30, and the client didn't show up till about 8, but by 8 o'clock, there was like two tables that were sat, and then there was seven of us. So we sat down to eat, and then by 9.30, the place was packed. <laughs> Everybody coming to dinner at 9, 9.30, it was weird. It's just a different different vibe in the city. Anyway, it was, it was a cool night. But I got back late last night, but I got up this morning, and um, I was watching on uh, Good Morning Football. They were talking about the Cowboys and the Pollard and the running back situation and the whole thing. So it got me thinking. So I went to uh, over to my laptop, and I started watching some of the Cowboys stuff over the last week. They're going to kill the Packers. They have as much firepower, if not more, than what Buffalo does. If Dak Prescott's right, they're going to kill the Packers. You tell me what the lowest of lows could possibly be in Wisconsin as a Packers fan. Not only, say, losing to the Jets, losing to the Commanders on the road, but how low is it going to be when you go to a Cowboys game at home? First of all, you're going to have a lot of Cowboys fans in the stands because people are already, the, the market is now flooded with Packers tickets. People going on the secondary market. So that's first. Secondly, it's going to have a ton of Packers fans, and you're going to get your ass whipped. And you're going to get embarrassed by Mike McCarthy. If that's not the lowest of the low, I don't know what is. And I don't mean to slight Mike. I'm just saying by the way everything went down, 
the fan base that wanted him out, the the ownership that canned him still with more games to go in the season, which they had traditionally never done. There was just a lot of lot of just angst, a lot of just anger in some way, shape, or form built up. And you're, he, he's going to whip your ass. That defense is going to maul that offense. They got a really good secondary. Now, they're not as good against the run as, say, <laughs> the Buffalo Bills were coming into this, coming into this game because the Buffalo Bills were ranked number one in the National Football League against the run. But they're going to whip your ass. And if that doesn't give you the lowest of the low, I don't know what will. At that point in time, I that isn't even therapy anymore. That isn't even this show doing therapy. It is... It, it, it is... I. I I, I couldn't even tell you. And, and you know, well, Pac fan says, Allen's ten times the thing Dak is. I get that. I never said he wasn't. But I agree with you. But even if – but, but what my point is is that they can run the ball at will. Packers don't stop the run. If Dak is on and can throw the ball and keep, it, keep uh, the defense honest, they'll score 35 with the run game they have. I, I, at what point do you just, you know, that's why I'm like, I, there's, when I woke up today, um, I left here yesterday, got off the air, and I really thought to myself, maybe it was like fooling yourself, you know? But I really thought I was going to get off the air and I was going to start getting ready to head down to Chicago and I was, my phone was going to buzz and there was going to be an update and it said Packers trade for such and such. I was waiting for it. And maybe it was more green and gold hope, okay, because I'm a fan too. Maybe it was more green and gold hope. But, and, and nothing happened. And so I'm driving to Chicago. I'm listening to the national shows saying they, they don't get it. How can the Packers feel that this is a good room? How can the Packers just do nothing in the last few years of Aaron Rodgers' career? Then the conspiracy theories really begin to circulate. Well, the Packers just want him to retire. They want him to go away. They want to eat next season and just move on from Aaron Rodgers. They want him out. They're tired of him. And then, then there's that conspiracy theory, which I'm not even finding that far-fetched anymore. I mean, I don't necessarily believe it, but I, I don't really know. I, I have no idea. Matt, Matt, Matt LaFleur calling trades is silly. You know, I'm, I'm thinking, you just got beat by some of these teams that are making trades. They're trying to get better. They're whipping your ass, and you're calling them silly trades? For what? They're going for it. You're not. You've got a predictable offense. You just now discovered how to run the football after fans have been screaming at you for weeks on end. you got a defense that was supposed to be better that couldn't stop the run if they had to that plays 10 yards back on third and six. Whoever calls that play is a moron. And yet, you want to tell everybody else they're silly? I I, I was flabbergasted. I, I just, I, I don't get it. 877-867-1670, 877-867-1670. By the way, some of the breaking news today is that the commanders announced that Tanya and Dan Snyder have hired Bank of America to explore the sale of the franchise. Now, they're going to make this look like Daniel Snyder just is throwing his arms in the air, and he's like, okay, I'm just going to get rid of it. It's it's too much of a headache. It's a pain in the ass. When in reality, behind closed doors, they're like, you you want dirt on us? We will unleash every piece of hell we can possibly fire upon you. 
That's that's what this smells like. You want to talk about conspiracy theory? That's this. Daniel Snyder was hanging on to that franchise. Remember, he was hanging on to the name like Grim Death. Now he was hanging on to that franchise. Don't F with me. I'll blow you up. I got your dirt. Anything he could fire off, right, was being reported. And now all of a sudden, you know, I'm just tired of it. I'm just It's just such a headache. Let's just... Let's just sell it and ride off into the sunset and get rid of all of our problems and just, just no, 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 no. The NFL is like 32 mob families. You don't go against the families. So Daniel Snyder, in his mealy mouth, shooting off his, his grill way, pissed off enough people behind closed doors to where they said, hey, Roger. Let him know we got this. Let him know we have this. Let him know we'll file charges here. Let him know we'll unleash this fury. And I'm sure Roger Goodell, and at one point in time, and I got to think Goodell has taken this over, there was a Time article, and I think it was Time magazine, years ago that said the most powerful person in the country, now this goes back to, I think, mid-2000s, early 2000s, was Bud Selig. Was Bud Selig. Because he had amounted money that baseball was pulling in, the the ability to get baseball onto Capitol Hill, the ability to garner the attention of many different subcommittees subcommittees on Capitol Hill, and the power of baseball within the country. He was considered the most powerful man in the country at the time. I got to think, since we've seen the flip-flop, Football has well overtaken baseball in popularity, well overtaken baseball in money. Now, internationally, I got to think, much like Bud Selig, even more so, that Roger Goodell has his own mafia army of diggers and investigators and Secret Service type of people around him that he has taking a deep dive into Daniel Snyder and said, Daniel, let me give you a call. You got five minutes? Okay. Here's what I got on you. You want to unleash fury? That's fine. You can talk about a few scandals, a few guys having sex with women, you know, whatever you want to talk about. We're skimming here. We're kind of screwing the people here, whatever. Okay. But you want to do this? We will unleash this. And Daniel Snyder went, you know, it's probably, eh, it's probably a headache to be owning an NFL franchise. I just don't want it anymore. That's what happened. Make no mistake about it, that's what happened. Guarantee. You don't threaten the mafia families of the NFL and they just go, ooh, Daniel Snyder, ooh, he's on an island, he's going to get me. That ain't happening. So uh, Dan and Tanya Snyder and the Washington Commanders announced today that they have hired the Bank of America Securities and they're going to consider the potential transaction and sale of the Washington Commanders. Yeah, he got a phone call. He got a phone call from somebody. 877-867-1670. 877-867-1670. hit us up, too. So, hey, coming up tonight, we are going to be on the road again. We're down at the Mecca. Tonight is a cool night. We're going to be at the Mecca for the huddle tonight, uh, brought to you by Bud Light. And we're going to be there. We've got a Bucks game tonight. So down in the Deer District, come on by and say hello. Get a little football chatter before the game. Game starts, I think, at 7 o'clock tonight. We're down there at 6, 6 to 8 tonight. 
So come on into the Mecca, do a little pre-gaming, hang out with us for a while, then head on over to the Fiserv Forum and uh, grab yourself some Bucks and Pistons basketball. Good stuff tonight. It's all brought to you by our friends at Bud Light, the official beer sponsor of the Bill Michael Sports Talk Network. This is the Bill Michael Show on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Welcome back. Good to have you. Those of you listening to us in WKTY and Lacrosse, Eau Claire, our friends in Marshfield, Rice Lake, Menominee, Marinette, Shawano, Clintonville, our friends at WDUZ, the mighty radio station up in Green Bay that blasts anywhere and everywhere continuously. Good to have them on board, our friends in Platteville, all over. Yeah, the great state of Wisconsin and well beyond the borders. Uh, we bring in now Mark Schofield from uh, SB Nation joining us on the hotline. Mark, how you doing? I'm doing well, Bill. How are you today? I'm good. Um, let's start with, first and foremost, were you surprised, shocked, disappointed, uh, angered? Because uh, Packers fan base is up in arms that the Packers did nothing to help themselves at the trade deadline. I mean, I was surprised that they didn't make a move. I mean, we've seen the report and heard the report that they were in on sort of a Chase Claypool trade that eventually went down with the Chicago Bears. Eventually, the Bears put, a, I guess, a more favorable offer in front of the Steelers, you know, with their own second-round pick. And the report out today said that Steelers believe that look, that second-round pick from Chicago it's going to be earlier than the one Green Bay offered. And so I guess they decided at the end that, you know, they weren't going to, in their mind, overpay for a wide receiver. I'm surprised that, you know, I thought maybe a Brandon Cooks move or, you know, maybe even a DJ Moore kind of move might have been in the making. But those never seemed to materialize. I guess Cooks came close to the Cowboys at one point, according to some of the reporting that's out there. So, you know, I'm surprised that a, a move did not get done. I think ultimately, though, you take a step back, you look at the NFC at large, they're even sitting at where their record is right now. It's not like they're out of it. Maybe there's a belief inside the building that, hey, we could still make a run. Look at the rest of the NFC. We can figure things out with what we have. We're not going to overpay. We're not going to, you know, somewhat mortgage the future for a Chase Claypool acquisition if we feel that we can still make a run with what we have. So I'm surprised something did, didn't get done. But ultimately, given what we saw and given what the Claypool deal was in the end, I, I can almost understand it. The uh, I, I I look at it this way, and a lot of people said, well, why if you need more than one guy to help this team, why would you make a deal? First of all, if Rodgers comes back again next year, and we believe with 50 million reasons on the uh, table he will, then at least you get this half of a season to work with a guy, plus you're already on the same page going into next season. Whatever you do in the draft to bolster this team, because God knows they hang on to draft picks like grim death. And then maybe you get another year of Romeo Dobbs. Christian Watson gets a full training camp, doesn't get injured again because he's down yet again. So maybe you get your full complement of wide receivers and a veteran, and then maybe things begin to materialize. I I can't fathom why this team – if you just go through the recent drafts, specifically like you look at a third-round pick, their third-round picks have sucked. I mean, this team has just sucked when it comes to certain areas of the draft, and they hang on to these things, these unproven commodities like grim death, and I just can't understand why. Can you make heads or tails of it? I mean, what's interesting, specifically with the wide receiver position, I think the reason 
that Packers fans are upset is you look at next year's free agent market and wide receiver is very thin. And in contrast to the receiving draft classes we've seen the past couple of cycles, it looks like this class isn't materializing the way we thought. And so the idea that, you know, if that was the idea that, oh, we're not going to overpay for Claypool because we could fix this in the offseason. Well, looking ahead, it doesn't look great, whether it's the draft level or free agency. Now, obviously, things can change. We might see somebody that really sort of sets themselves apart from the class, whether it's at the Senior Bowl or the Shrine Game or something like that. But if the idea is we're not going to make this move because we think we could fix it via free agency in the draft next spring, that doesn't fly with me because I think those groups of talent pools at the wide receiver position are thin. And the draft, as we know, regardless of position, generally speaking, it's an inexact science. You know, we see it all the time with, oh, somebody's a riser, somebody's a fall, or somebody ran a great 40, so suddenly they're the best receiver of the draft class. Teams get things wrong all the time. Like you said, Bill, Green Bay gets these mid-round picks wrong all the time. All teams do. And so when you at least have the opportunity to acquire somebody that you've seen on the field in an NFL uniform for the past couple of years, that might have been the better way to go. Uh, do you like what, say, the Bears did and trying to find uh, Justin Fields, who they clearly are invested in now? Do you like what they did as far as adding Chase Claypool to that mix? I, I liked it in the sense that it shows that they're trying to add around him. I, I liked the other two moves they made a bit more. The Robert Quinn move, because the veteran pass rusher at this point to get something for him, I thought was a nice bit of business. You weren't going to re-sign Wilquan Smith. It seemed like that relationship had completely fractured. He was saying it's bad faith, the offer that was put in front of him. So to get a second, to get a fifth, to get a veteran player, I think was a smart move by Chicago. I would have, I, I like, in a sense, adding Claypool because it shows that they're trying to build around Justin Fields and we know that they need to add receiver and help. I would have preferred it if he gave, you know, the Baltimore second round pick because, you know, it might be a difference of, say, 20 picks. You know, you basically moved down in the second round to do that. So I question that angle of it, but if that's what it took to get it done, then I understand. So, you know, I, I like the two, the Quinn and Smith moves a little bit more, but it, you can at least see that, okay, Chicago's in a position now where they're starting to add some draft capital. Even with the Claypool trade, they still have three picks in the first two rounds right now. They're going to have about $120 million to spend via free agency. And so they'll be able to continue to make some moves so that process that we all knew was coming, it's finally begun. The uh, the two quarterbacks everybody's talking about is Tom Brady and Aaron Rodgers. Is Have the quarterbacks declined that much, or has the talent around them not permitted them to shine the way they once have? I mean, I think it's a combination of the two, in a sense, Bill. I mean, you know, as we're seeing defenses, again, you know, the too high world that we're living in, trying to really sort of, limit what you can do in the vertical passing game in terms of creating explosive plays. And you and I have talked a lot already this season about Green Bay and their inability to generate some of those explosive plays. When you're forced to try to be patient and live underneath and take easier throws and put together 10, 12, 14 play drives at times, eventually you're getting, you might have a breakdown if you don't have that talent. And that's where the second part of it comes in. So I think with what we're seeing defensively, what defenses are really forcing offenses to try to do coupled with, you know, maybe some injuries, maybe some lack of chemistry issues like we're seeing with the green Bay right now, when receiver and quarterback aren't always on the same page, you know, injuries or inability to protect the quarterback. Like we're sometimes seeing down in Tampa Bay, when you're forcing the offense to put together these longer drives and you force them to be perfect, more often than just one big shot play over the top, 
when you don't have all the pieces together, that's when you're seeing offenses struggle. And I think that's a lot of what we're seeing right now in Green Bay and Tampa Bay. Looking at what the Vikings have done and adding Hawkinson and now getting a legit tight end that can go out and catch passes, be yet another weapon to what they already have over there with Dalvin Cook and company, how good are they now? I think I think the Hawkinson trade was a very good move uh, from the Minnesota Vikings because you're talking about this season, Kirk Cousins, I think he was like 30th in QBR when it when thrown to tight ends this year out of 33 qualified passers, you know, near the bottom of the league. Irv Swift Jr. now sidelined with a high ankle sprain for eight to ten weeks. So to get a tight end and to really not give up that much for him, I think was a fantastic move. I know part of the reason Detroit was willing to move on him is from people that I've talked to, they didn't think that they were going to be able to sign him to a long-term deal when his, when his rookie deal was, you know, finished. You know, there is an idea that the, the, the team and the player were pretty far apart on value. And so maybe Detroit, similar to the Roquan Smith discussion, figured, look, we're not going to get anything for him. You know, we're not going to get him to a long-term deal. Why not get something for him? I think that's what happened from Detroit's perspective. But I still, Bill, you know, dating back to the summer, I still have questions about the Vikings overall. Because, yes, they're 6-1. and one, But the one good team, the one really good team they played, Philadelphia, that's their one loss. They've got wins against Detroit. Saints, the Bears, the Dolphins without two of the Cardinals this past week. You know, their resume is a little thin. I think we'll know a lot more about Minnesota, you know, Thanksgiving night because over the next couple of weeks after Detroit, Washington, they get Buffalo and Dallas those two weeks following that. And then New England on Thanksgiving night. How do they look on Thanksgiving night when that New England game ends? Because if they've continued to win, if they maybe beat Dallas and have a close one against Buffalo and beat New England, then I'll believe. But if they beat Washington and then lose two or three, two out of three or even three straight, I think we'll get a better sense of who the Vikings really are. You got uh, the Cowboys and Giants are kind of your wild card teams right now if the playoffs were today, and I know that's kind of ludicrous, but re- just living in this right now. Dallas 6-2, and two, Giants 6-2. and two. Then you got San Francisco with four wins, Washington with four wins, and then you got the Rams, the Buccaneers, the Packers, the Cardinals, the Saints, all it Bears, all with three wins, and everybody's within striking distance. Is there a team in this big mush of mediocrity that you feel is the best equipped to be able to come out and grab themselves an additional wild card spot? You know, looking at that sort of clump of teams, I mean, getting the Cowboys aside because they're six and two, you know, looking at this clump of teams right now, I like what San Francisco has done. You know, they're sitting there at four and four. Added McCaffrey, we saw the impact that he had on that offense this past week, right? Touchdown pass, touchdown run, right. receiving touchdown. When they get Debo back and fully healthy, the ways that Kyle Shanahan will be able to stress defenses and force them into some tough situations because those are two offensive, you know, Swiss Army knife type players. You might see some formations where you've got Samuel in the backfield and McCaffrey in the slot. And what do you do? Do you put a linebacker? over Samuel and treat him as a running back? Do you put a corner over him? Like, how are you going to handle that? They'll be able to really generate some looks pre-snap that will simplify the decision-making for Jimmy Garoppolo, give them some mismatches. You know, if they decide, hey, we're going to treat Samuel like he's still a wide receiver, we're going to play with a corner over him, they'll run him between the tackles. They've done that before with Samuel. If they treat him like a linebacker, you know, they'll try to get a one-on-one route with him. And so they've got an ability now with Samuel and McCaffrey when they're both on the field together to do some really creative things. And I think we're going to see down the stretch that offense really sort of take shape, create problems for defenses. And I think we'll see San Francisco going on a little bit of a run.
I know the Packers uh, coming into this game against Detroit, they're favored. I can't imagine many games after this that the Packers uh, are going to be favored. God forbid they lose this game, but I can't because they got they're staring down the barrel of Dallas after that back at Lambeau Field and the return of Mike McCarthy and all that kind of stuff. So there's going to be a lot of anxiety there. But can you imagine any any game other than this Detroit game that the Packers are actually going to be favored in the remainder of the season the way they're playing right now? Uh, well, I mean. You know, I could cheat here and I could say the season finale against Detroit at home. I mean, there's that one. I mean, maybe the Rams game, you know, you get that Rams game at home. But, I mean, I, like I said, I took the easy way out with that second Lions game. Maybe that Rams game, but, you you know, because also that Rams game, you're coming off the bye. But other than that, I mean, maybe Chicago. Um, but, yeah, you've got Tennessee. You've got Philadelphia. Wow. You've got Miami on the road. And, you know, Christmas Day in Miami, it's still going to be a little warm then. So, Miami's often cause problems for teams. I know New England has always struggled down there. And so it's not the easiest slate down the stretch here for Green Bay. So hey, I'm just going by what you stated, the three games they'd be favoring, Chicago maybe twice against Detroit. Can we talk about a six-win six season? Six and eleven, or yeah, six and eleven on the season for oh my god! You know, think about yeah, that. Yeah, not great. Holy maybe matter. seven. Like I said, that Rams game two coming out of the box, so maybe seven. So who knows? I mean, could seven wins get you in? I mean, it almost looks like it could in this NFC, especially once those NFC East teams start being up on each other. Yeah, yeah, I, I I get it. Hey, real quick before I let you go, you look at the AFC. Um, obviously the AFC is somewhat in, in flux right now. Same thing. You've got three teams, four teams that are really good. Buffalo, Tennessee, Kansas City, we believe in. Baltimore's defense, especially in the second half of games, not great. New York, the Jets are sitting in uncharted territory. Miami's at 5-3, and three, the Chargers. And then you got uh, the defending AFC champion, Cincinnati, sitting in number nine. Only four wins on the season. Who's going to creep up, do you think, there? I, I mean, obviously we believe Buffalo, we believe Tennessee, we believe Kansas City. After that, where does this lie, do you think? Who's got that strong you know, side? I, I really thought Cincinnati was going to put a run together, but with this chase injury and what we saw from that offense on Monday night, now I would have worried about the Bengals. You know, so take them out of it. Miami and Baltimore. You know, I look at what those two teams have done in the past couple of days with the moves that they've made. Miami in particular, mm-hmm. right? They're struggling to pressure the quarterback. Last year it was all the zero blitz stuff, and they were blitzing heavy. They were pressuring quarterbacks, I think, the second most in the league. Now they're near the bottom. They had Bradley Chubb, a guy that can win some one-on-ones. They won't have to blitz as much, or if they do, it might be a little bit more successful to get some more pressure on the quarterback. So I like what they've done. Plus two is playing at a very high level. And then in Baltimore, I added Roquan Smith. What I think they'll do is take Patrick Queen, who's shown some burst and explosiveness on the outside as a pass rusher, maybe playing in more of an outside linebacker role, Smith, I think, can then be that sort of inside linebacker that is, I think, an improvement in coverage over Patrick Queen because I really like what Wilcron Smith does as a coverage linebacker. And so I think those two teams got some help in areas they needed to address before the deadline. And so I'm watching Miami and Baltimore because I think those two teams might put together a second-half run. Mark, great stuff as always, buddy. We'll talk again next week, okay? Sounds great, Bill. Thanks so much. Have a great week. Appreciate it, pal. There you go. Mark Schofield, SB Nation, at Mark Schofield, S-C-H-O-F-I-E-L-D, over on Twitter. Really good stuff. Really good stuff. Great to talk with him. A lot of depth there. Always good to chat with him on Wednesdays. Uh, When we come back, I want to get into some of the discussion. There's a lot of stuff that's flying around I want to get into, uh, both on Twitter and over on the Bud Light live stream. Phone calls are coming in. Emails are coming in. Uh, 877-867-1670. If a line's available, grab it. 
We'd love to get some phone calls coming up next. Stay tuned. We got a lot more of the Bill Michaels, uh, Bill Michael Show coming up right after this. Ready? This is the Bill Michael Show on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. The Bill Michael Show Podcast. Listen, rate, subscribe.